10, 15. Back up field at the 35 to the 40. 45, 50. Pass the 50. 35, 40. Pass the 30. To the 20. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. Hello again, everyone, and this is the Old College Try. This is your host, Tim Highland, and joining me as always is my co-host, Mike Unger. Mike, it is officially the greatest week of the year. <laughs> I knew for a fact you were going to lead with that. Yes. No week even comes close. Perhaps the last week of the year, you've got all the bowl games, you've got uh, the college football playoff, New Year's Eve, all that. But uh, for my money, this is it. As you know, like... Um, I'm a generally pretty easygoing guy, would you say, Mike? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Except for a few specific subjects, right? Yes. I, I, I believe very strongly my opinion on college football is always right. I've, I feel very strongly my opinion on spotting the ball in football is correct. Fishing I, licenses. Fishing licenses. I feel very strongly about my opinions on alternative country music. Um <laughs> And I also feel, without a doubt, that my opinion of the greatest holiday of the year, being Thanksgiving, is unquestionable. And I feel if if you don't agree with that, there's something wrong with you. But you don't find many people who don't agree with it. Uh, you know, every, pretty much everything in our country is 50-50 now. Right. Or, or at least 50-40. percent <laughs> uh, God knows where. <laughs> but uh, for Thanksgiving, I don't really hear many people complain. Obviously, maybe if you have a horrific family situation, yes, or you have to work, or you have to travel extensively to get to your Thanksgiving plans, I can understand your your complaining. But I don't hear a lot of uh, bitching and moaning about Thanksgiving. Pretty much everyone loves it, even the even non-football fans. And we've said before too, there's so many ingredients that make it a great holiday. First of all, the four-day weekend is just there's nothing. There's no other holiday with the four-day weekend, right? And that weekend is five days if you work for certain state institutions. Right. And also you have just basically football the entire length of that weekend. And then you layer on the fact that the entire holiday is just a really good meal with no of the stress of um, the gifts, Mike. It's just a meal. And there's no, of course, religious affiliation, which puts <laughs> which it is up. a big deal for you. Yes, puts <laughs> it up a notch in, in, my, in my book, of course. Now, Tim, do you accept and watch NFL football on Thanksgiving? I will watch it, but this year we do have Ole Miss Mississippi State back at seven thirty. I'm, I'm yes. very excited about the Egg Bowl this year. Right, uh, rightfully. So again, I will. I'll probably watch the. I think you kind of just have to, as an American, turn on the one p.m. NFL game. I guess. Yeah, have the Lions game on in the at least in the background. Right. Are, are the Lions good, Mike? Are they bad? I, what... uh, Tim, the Lions just on Sunday lost to the Washington Redskins. So they're not good. They're, you know who their starting quarterback is? No. Jeff Driscoll from Florida. What? I'm so again. People know I don't watch the NFL. I thought Matthew Stafford was the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he, he's hurt. He's out okay. pretty much the whole year. But when I saw their backup, was remember how bad he was at Florida? Yes. Well, he, he's he's heading your Detroit Lions now. Anyway, so Jeff Driscoll, Jeff Jeff Driscoll aside, 
I can't wait for Thanksgiving weekend. As you know, Mike, I love it. I love it. I love cooking. I love the entire Thanksgiving day. I love staying up late on Thanksgiving night. I love the Friday. The Legends game is on Friday, Mike. The Legends game? Nebraska-Iowa. Oh, I did not know that was called the Legends game. I, think it's <laughs> I thought Legends. it was called the Leaders game. I think it's Legends. <laughs> um, but yeah, just everything about it is great. And there are so many great rivalry games on Saturday, which we'll get Saturday into later. Oh, yeah. It's going to be amazing. So anyway, Mike, last weekend, what was your weekend of college football? I had, Tim, for the first time in years, I would guess, I was home all day Saturday. I did not have one adult beverage. I was rehabbing from... Uh, a killer cold that's had me down and out for about two weeks. So I was just on the couch watching as much football as I could uh, with clear, sober, with a, through a clear, sober lens. The irony being this, I was so excited to watch the night games uh, because, you know, I, lots of times I'm out and about and I don't really get to focus or concentrate, shall we say, on the night games. So I was going to watch Oklahoma TCU. I was going to watch Oregon, Arizona State. I was going to watch Tennessee, Missouri. Guess what happened to me, Tim? What? I fell asleep. Ah. I fell asleep at about 945 because I was so sober. It was uh, very, very ironic. I watched the first half of the Arizona State-Oregon game. It was great. I had Tennessee-Missouri on my secondary TV, a.k.a. my computer. Next thing I knew, I woke up, and it was like 2 in the morning, and I went right back to bed. Terrible feeling, right? (laughs) Terrible feeling. Terrible feeling. But I watched a ton of ball before that. Hmm. That's a very interesting story. That's not what I expected you to say, Mike, for your weekend. (laughs) <laughs> no, well, I, my body didn't know what to do. I was too, I was too sober. It just shut down. It was like, okay, what is this? A, a Monday night? I just fall asleep at nine thirty then. <laughs> right. Um, so I had a pretty full day, as you know. I had, I was uh, up at uh, Lehigh for Lehigh Lafayette. Great game, by the way, Mike. Great game. Seventeen sixteen Lafayette win. Um, oh wow. Yeah. So Lehigh was down. Uh, what was it? It was fourteen ten in the. Third quarter, Lehigh uh, kicked two field goals, took a 16-14 lead with, I think, three minutes to play, and then Lafayette, to their credit, drove down the field and kicked a 30-yard field goal with uh, 47 seconds to play, took that 17-16 lead. Lehigh got the ball back, got to midfield, and stalled out there, but it was a great game. That's a very, I, I was texting you guys, um, the party really is just, there is, it is a real party, Mike, and I think you'd really enjoy mm-hmm. it. Um, one and, year, Tim. I'll be up there one one year. And the game, it really matters to these kids. It matters a lot. Uh, that was fun. Um, meanwhile, I was multitasking, trying to keep track of Penn State. That turned out to be a great game. We'll get into that later. Um, and then we, we saw my uh, brother-in-law, Bobby. Remember Bobby, Mike? Producer Bobby, yes. Yeah, yeah we saw him on Saturday and uh, his wife, Lydia, and their adorable little baby, Veda. So it was a very, very nice day. Um, their baby what? Veda. Veda, like, like from the movie My Girl, Veda. Oh, like no, I thought I thought you were saying Veda, like Darth Veda. No, Veda. <laughs> Veda. She's adorable. She's uh, great. Cool, I like that name, but yeah. I, I I've never heard that name. Right, that's the point, I think, Mike. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, it was a great day, and now here we are. It's a Monday evening. I had today off to get some some work done and some from pre Thanksgiving prep. And uh, Mike, the weekend review, ready? Let's do it. So I put this here first, not because it was the biggest game of the weekend, just because, again, the the, the uh, ever-unfolding narrative about LSU just cracks me up a little bit. So number one, LSU 56, Arkansas 20. Now, we can agree Arkansas is terrible, right? 
Yes. But I guess in this game they moved the ball a little bit. And mm-hmm. even despite the fact that LSU won by 36 points, people are... are this is, And I will reveal a shocking revelation later in this podcast, Mike. But the, the debate at this point in the season gets so ridiculous. Like, can't we just sit back and be like, oh, LSU's a very good football team, and so is Ohio State, and so is Clemson, and so is Georgia, and so is Alabama, but so is Utah... But no, we, we, we get to this point where we start like nitpicking everything. They won by 36, yeah. Mike. Yeah, and it wasn't wasn't even really that close, obviously. Um, they, they, and again, you, you, the, kind of the groupthink college football narrative of, of the week was Arkansas scored more points than they did against Western Kentucky. Who cares? Um, yeah, I mean, this is not a game where, Arkansas, where LSU is dialed in or trying. I mean, let's, let's talk about how their defense performs against Texas A&M next week. Let's talk about how their defense performs against Georgia in the SEC title game. Right. Um, and again, LSU, the, take this ridiculous uh, analysis of their defensive performance every single week and look at the fact of what they've done this season against top 10 competition and ask yourself, too, like, oh, if my team, pick your team, whatever, needs to play them, how confident are you against LSU? <laughs> confident against LSU? Not very. No. No. Uh, number two, Ohio State 28. Number eight, Penn State 17. Again, I was trying to keep track as best I could. Um, when this game was 21 nothing, Ohio State, I think the entire country thought, like, oh, this is over, right? Yes, myself included. Man, and me also, too. I believe Penn State included as well. Right. And then Penn State, to their credit, made it a football game, um, came back. It was what? It was 21 17 at one point, I think, Mike? Y- yes, uh, it was 21 17. Right. Um,. Penn State, without their starting quarterback, Sean Clifford, was hurt. Will Levis comes in. You can tell uh, the coaches don't trust Will Levis to throw the ball, but the kid can run. Um, yes, he can. He's, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. Lamont Wade, the safety at Penn State 38, had a phenomenal game. Micah Parsons played great. Um, but I think the biggest play of the game, when it was 21-17, when um, Justin Fields hit Chris Olave in that touchdown pass, it was a what, yeah, 30, uh, 35 yard. I mean, like that was just... That was a backbreaker for Penn State, and what a clutch yeah. play by Fields and Olave. The catch was spectacular, but you you said Penn State hung tough, and I mean, you know, I, I tip my cap to Penn State. They played hard. They were very overmatched the whole game, mm-hmm. uh, as most you know, as ninety nine percent of the teams in the country are going to be against Ohio State. Ohio State's turnovers absolutely allowed Penn State to stay in the game, and credit right. to Penn State. They scored off those turnovers, but the turnovers were deep in there. And uh, first of all, Fields had a fumble going into the end zone. Then they had two turnovers back-to-back way deep in their own territory that Penn State turned into points. And if Ohio State doesn't commit those turnovers, this is not much of a game. No, no. And That's my, I, think... I mean, it, it, was, it was a nice game. Penn State played hard. They didn't play great, I wouldn't say, uh, but they're just overmatched. I mean, Ohio State's just a far better team than Penn State. And we've been saying all year, and I say this very sincerely, I mean, I think Penn State is a legitimately good football team. Yeah, no I doubt. think that Ohio State, and I said this to, um, I think, my dad over the weekend, I think legitimately, when you're talking pure talent, I think they're the best football team I've seen in the Big Ten since the 1997 Michigan team who was just stacked at every position. Because I can't think of a better Big Ten team, including some really great Ohio State teams, between now and 1997 Michigan. 
lot of uh, criticism and talk about how Penn State attempted to uh, block Chase Young or uh, Chase Young with uh, one blocker pretty much the whole right. game, and he of course wreaked havoc with three sacks. Um, I think he had like nine tackles, four for losses, or something like that. I don't understand why they tried to do that, but he he's unstoppable. You have in the, to, in the fourth quarter, must double team him at all times. Right, the fourth quarter, especially the last five minutes, he ran the game. There, like, yeah, there was no accounting for this guy. And again, I, it's very easy to get caught into um, uh, recent historyism, right? Mm-hmm. But I really think, I mean, Indomitian Sue was a phenomenal defensive player. I've told you many times before, um, Woodson at Michigan controlled mm-hmm. game at cornerback he just ran the game chase young he, at the very least is one of the top three defensive players i've seen in my lifetime and maybe yeah. the best one he is he is just unbelievable and what a weapon if you're ohio state to have that guy in your team it's crazy yeah i would be terrified if i were a right tackle lining up looking <laughs> at you know knowing that my coach doesn't have a tight end or a back helping out on him right uh, number four, Georgia 19, A&M 13. I didn't see this game. I didn't even realize this game was close until I did the schedule today. So, Mike, what happened here? I watched the whole game. A uh, couple things happened. One, brutal, terrible weather down in Athens. It was a slob fest. It was raining. It was dark. It was tough conditions. That being said, Georgia has – what's the opposite of ex- the word explosive? Whatever that, Whatever the opposite of that word is, that's Georgia's offense. They are – they are plotting. They don't. They don't have. They don't make big plays. They should be running it five times better than they are. Give a little credit to Texas A&M. I mean, Texas A&M. They have talent on that team, especially on defense. The problem is they they have the hardest schedule of all time. But Georgia keeps doing what they need to do to win. But their their offense would have me concerned if I were a Bulldog fan. And credit Texas A&M. They hung in there. They scored late to make it a one score game, and then. Georgia put it away uh, by converting a couple first downs on the ground. But uh, the weather was a big factor in this one. Um, I just don't – looking forward ahead two weeks, how is Georgia going to outscore LSU? That's the question I would have if I were a Dogs fan. I think I said two weeks ago on the show, Mike, I think Georgia and Penn State are very similar teams where they're just very, very talented. But you can't look at those teams as good as they are and consider them – on the same level as an Ohio State, LSU, or Clemson right now. They're just not. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. That's right. a great – I think that's a great comparison. Uh, Arizona State, 31, number six, Oregon, 28. Now, again, I had attended to stay up late, Mike, but I didn't make it either. Um, <laughs> As did I. I woke up this next, next day. I think I said that I thought Utah had a chance to lose to Arizona. I didn't see Arizona State beating Oregon, and I – Possibly part of that is again the bias of us having seen Oregon in person, and we think we're very, very impressed. Um, this to me, yeah, is we shocking. saw Utah in person too, though they looked pretty good when we saw them. That was Oregon State, though, Mike. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, Oregon State's very good. Look what they've done since we since I know, that it's game. Shocking, anyway. right? Um, but this one to me was a shocker. In the first half, I watched the first half, and this young quarterback Daniels for Arizona State, he's got a ton of talent. He throws that deep ball. He throws maybe a higher deep ball than I've seen in a long, long time, and it always seems to plop right down and hit his receivers in stride. He had over 400 yards uh, passing in this game, and Herbert was the one who threw the picks late. And it was, you know, as good as Oregon looked for most of this year, the narrative of this season is going to be kind of same old Oregon, right? They can't get over 
they can't get over that hump. Big win for Arizona State and Herm. Meanwhile, number seven, Utah 25, Arizona 7. I mean, the Utes, they're – I know the pathway for them is harder for a yes. lot of reasons I won't get into, but um, at this point, they're deserving. They certainly look the part. And if you look at the margins that by which they're winning, which is what people are doing with Clemson against the terrible opponents in the ACC, uh, Utah is whooping up on their Pac-12 inferior teams uh, in similar dominating style. And uh, Utah looks great, but it, it, the loss, the Oregon's loss really, really hurts Utah. It does. In, uh, in terms of moving forward in, in the playoffs, in my opinion. Number nine, Oklahoma 28, TCU 24. I don't know what to make of TCU this year, Mike. And I don't know what to make of Oklahoma this no. year. They, did you see this stat? They've won three of their last four. The total, at, by a to, if you add up their points and their opponent's points, they're up by one in those in those four games. Um, Jalen Hurts, had, he was playing so great at the beginning of the year, he had some terrible picks. And apparently there was a spotting of the ball controversy late in this game with TCU, if you can believe that. Too. I did see it. It was pretty bad, Mike. Yeah, that's what I hear. And, and, yeah. and of course, your Twitter blew up anytime there's a spotting of the ball controversy. Uh, at uh, What is your Twitter handle? Intelligence CFB, Mike. At Intelligence CFB is the first person everyone wants to, everyone wants to draw attention to in any kind of spotting of the football controversy. Again, I, I do enjoy waking up to texts like that, like or, or, uh, to tweets like that, where it's like, I'm famous for being critical of spotting the ball in football, Mike. <laughs> you're, you're, you're Twitter famous. There's a big yes. difference. <laughs> Number 13, Michigan 39, Indiana 14. I will say, Mike, so I've been very um, complimentary of your Hoosiers all year. Mm-hmm. I was not impressed with the Hoosiers in this game. They did so here's, not obviously, I watched, I watched this whole game. Here's, here's my quick analysis of this. Uh, 14-14 second quarter. We're playing quite well. Uh, both teams are playing well, especially the Hoosiers looking good on offense. Peyton Ramsey, our quarterback, gets knocked out of the game. He comes back to the end of the game. He's not the same for the rest of the game. We played without our number one receiver, WAP, and our number two receiver was knocked out and did not return. Stevie Scott, our outstanding running back, also knocked out of the game. He did come back, but again, he wasn't 100%. All that being said... I can't stand when fans use injuries as an excuse because, and this especially is true in this game, B, Michigan was just way, way better. They look incredible ever They're since playing the great second football. half of that Penn State game. Yes. Shea Patterson, now Indiana did not get a lot of pressure on him, but he, when he sat back in the pocket, he was throwing dart after dart after dart. They look great on both sides of the ball. They're playing very confidently. Uh, we'll get to this later, but I would not be surprised if they give Ohio State a hell of a game on Saturday. They do look good. They do look Yeah, good. they look great. They look they, they look like a completely different team than they did the first month of the season. Number 14 Baylor 24 Texas 10. So Texas thankfully is not ranked anymore, Mike. Well, that, that illusion cannot continue. <laughs> uh, I, I watched a fair amount of this during the afternoon. I liked those all yellow uh uniforms there for Baylor by yeah. the way. But Texas, you know, the narrative on them all season was great offense, terrible defense. I don't know what's happened to their offense. Ellinger was 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 underwhelming. They don't seem to have any weapons. Nice win for Baylor and your boy Matt Rule, who I know you love. Um, and for them to, you know, he's been at Baylor for three years, and Herman's been at Texas for three years now, and Baylor's the better program. Who saw that coming? It's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, again, Texas. I you. 
I don't know how you fix that program. Like they have literally every advantage you could ever ask for. Yeah, there's nothing really more. I don't know what else you can do. You're absolutely right. Urban Meyer is the only solution. Uh, number 17, Iowa 19, Illinois 10. Two things here. This Iowa team to me this year is the most Iowa team in the history of <laughs> Iowa. They're just they're <laughs> they are just being number 17 in the country. And eight eight and three record. Yes, uh, a, a senior quarterback Stanley who's been there forever. Yet they still can't ever score over twenty points. Yet most of the time they never have to score over twenty points to win. They are very very Iowa y. Good defense, good special teams, Mike. Right. Well coached. Yes. <laughs> Bunch of three stars who are playing like four <laughs> stars. And Illinois, by the way, has come a long way. Great season for Illinois, and uh, they're going to put a thumping on Northwestern on Saturday. And finish the season at seven and five, and go to a bowl game. That's like winning the Rose Bowl for Illinois. If you were a seventeen-year-old uh, kid now, and your only choices for college were Illinois or Missouri, where would you go, Mike? That is a really tough question. Um, probably Missouri. I think Missouri too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Illinois just looks cold and depressing. I've, Again, never I've, finished, I've been there. I've never it's like champagne, but it just doesn't seem to have a lot of sex appeal. No, there's. It's the worst college town I've ever been to. There's like yeah, no, there's nothing there to go. it. And I, I went to school, University of Mar- or grad school, at University of Maryland, Mike, and it's not much of a college town there either. But uh, champagne quite, is quite a, quite a scene, by the way, in College Park on Saturday. It was about 45 degrees, raining, gusting winds. And uh, Nebraska was up 34 nothing at the half, I believe, en route to scoring 54 points on the Terps. We'll get there, Mike. Uh, <laughs> number 20, <laughs> Oklahoma State, down, 20, West Virginia, 13. Again, here for Cousin Dave, another uh, listener and big uh, Mountaineers fan. Um, the, the Mountaineers have gotten better and better and better the entire year. I, I keep texting every Saturday. Neil Brown's a great coach. They're going to do great things there. You're very um, bullish on him. Yeah, Oklahoma State, meanwhile, um, I've seen them play zero times this year, Mike. <laughs> they lost their starting quarterback, which is a huge blow, obviously, for them. By the way, they're coming up on Bedlam. We'll get to that. Do you know that they've only won 18 times in this in the Bedlam series, and they've played over 100 times? 18? Yes. I heard that on the radio today. Do they win with Barry Sanders there? They have to. One of those eighteen had to be with Barry Sanders, right? You would think, right? Yeah, you would think. But uh, it's going to be tough sledding for the Cowboys rest of the year without their top receiver and top quarterback. That's a great stat, Mike. By the way, I hope it's right. I'm I'm double checking it now. I heard it on the radio, <laughs> though, Tim. Uh, Navy thirty-five, number twenty-five, SMU twenty-eight. Here because we love Navy. Yeah, watched a lot of this too. Great performance by Navy. That little Malcolm Perry is one of the most fun, thrilling quarterbacks to watch. Uh, love to see Ken Niamatololo. He was ecstatic after they got the win late against SMU. Navy still alive, Tim, to go for a berth in the uh, American Championship game. It would take a lot, but uh, they're still they're still alive technically. Nebraska fifty four, Maryland seven. So. There's a lot to unpack here. I think we can both agree that Nebraska is a terrible football team this year, Mike. Maryland, the results, they are verging. They, they are they are headed towards Rutgers territory at this well, point. Well, you know, it's funny. I was just going to say, Maryland beat Rutgers soundly 41 nothing. I think it was earlier in the season, or maybe okay. 41-7. I'll check that. But if they played again like this week, 
I would not. Uh, Maryland would be what? Maybe like a seven-point favorite. I would not be overconfident that Maryland could beat Rutgers at this point in the season. So what's going on at Maryland? What's what's happening here? Uh, I have absolutely no idea. They have uh, clearly they have no talent. Right. Um. I uh, whether they'll get some talent in the coming years, I don't know. I'm going to say the same thing about them that I always say about Indiana. I say about any subpar team. Stick with Loxley for a minimum of five years. Ch- this changing of the coach year in and year out, it, it just doesn't work. And I think also you, they need to accept that in their current division. I mean, just the simple reality is your absolute best case scenario for a best case scenario year is eight and four. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. And third place in the you, you will never finish higher than third place in that division. No, I mean, and look, look at Indiana. If we beat Purdue on Saturday, we'll be eight and four. It's like the best season you can ever hope for. Maryland is Indiana. They are they're they're in the same boat. They'll never be better than that. Finally, Mike, um, Florida International thirty, yeah. Miami twenty four. Now, this caused much consternation in the world of Miami fans. Yes, it did. But is it really that shocking? I don't think so. But let me ask you this. What did you think about the fact that this game was played at Marlin Stadium? Dumbest now, idea ever for Miami. Dumbest Why? idea ever, but it's kind of cool. At least Marlin Stadium is on the grounds of the Orange Bowl. <laughs> and apparently they do They do have some plaques and some, and some stuff denoting that it was the Orange Bowl. But um, very odd result. But how, how sweet of a win is that for Butch Davis, right? Oh, my God, yeah. Right? Yeah, and uh, Manny Diaz called it the lowest point in the history of the program. I like that he, <laughs> I like that he understands that. Yeah, Tim. By the way, the all-time series in Bedlam: Oklahoma leads eighty-eight uh, to eighteen, and there have been seven ties. Very nice. All right, Mike. The top twenty-five. So this is a Monday evening, not Tuesday. So we're not doing the CFP top twenty-five. We're doing the AP top 25 Mike and fortunately because of holiday travel blah 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 we had to record on a Monday right so others receiving votes ready from from the oh this I'm great to, I'm happy to hear that others receiving votes uh, is back in our show though I, I do love too so like the the team receiving one vote is just listed as Louisiana <laughs> <laughs> I like that not Louisiana Tech not Louisiana Monroe not Louisiana State University of Louisiana, which I believe they used to go by Louisiana Lafayette, but now they're just Louisiana. And I kind of, that's ballsy, right? To say, like, you know what? We are the University of Louisiana. Yeah, I like that as well. I like that. Uh, Four votes, Arizona State. We have nine votes for SMU, 22 for our beloved Air Force, 27 for A&M, 38 for Virginia, and 74 for Iowa State. I'd just like to make one note that I I was going to get in a couple weeks ago when Indiana was ranked briefly, of course, before losing to Penn State and to um, uh, Michigan. Michigan yeah. uh, so that was it. When we were ranked in the top 25, it snapped a 25-year drought for Indiana being in the AP poll top 25. So now the active longest AP poll drought among Power 5 teams now that Indiana's was snapped, Purdue. I, I knew you are going there, Mike. I That's... just wanted to get that in there. Now we can proceed. Do you enjoy that stat very much? I loved it. I have it was in my phone for three weeks. I tried to get into the show. <laughs> All right, twenty-five through twenty-one: USC, Navy, Vatech, Appy State, and Oklahoma State. 
lot to say there. One, uh, USC, which got a huge win over UCLA with some ridiculous numbers. A quarterback threw for 500 yards, and they had four receivers with over 400 yards. And, of course, the optics. Oh, my God, the optics. The USC-USC game off the charts. Big. That's big for Utah. They need USC to uh, to go up the rankings as high as they can because their one loss was to uh, USC, and they can say it was a good loss. Number two, I love to see Navy up there. I still would, would love to see the day when Navy somehow represents the group of five uh, in the in the New, Year, New Year's Six Bowls. So you mentioned the optics in UCLA-USC, and I know you know this because you listen to um, Full Ride, which is our favorite mm-hmm. show on, on Sirius XM uh, College Football Station with Chris Childers and Rick Neuheisel. Of course, the former coach at UCLA played quarterback there. So he's told the story many times. When he left, um, he was hired by UCLA after being the coach at Washington and Colorado before that. Mm-hmm. He got to UCLA, and Pete Carroll was still the coach at USC. One of the first things that Rick Neuheisel did was called Pete Carroll and was like, Hey, Coach Carroll, I want to bring back... Because for years, the rule was you had to wear by NCAA decree, home uniform and away uniform. So if mm-hmm. UCLA was playing UCLA and USC was home, UCLA had, had to wear their white uniforms, right? And vice versa, USC would have to wear the white, white uniforms as the away team. But Rick Neuheisel wanted to have it USC wearing their, what are the colors, Mike? Uh, They're blue, powder blue. Powder blue versus the, whatever, the crimson of um, USC. It's, it was still against the rules. So he called uh, Pete Carroll. It was it was a UCLA home game. So Pete Carroll said, like, I support the idea, but if I wear those uniforms, I lose a timeout. Right? I can't do that. So Neuheisel said, you know what? If you agree to do it, they'll call the penalty on you the first play of the game. I will then Im- immediately take a timeout and we'll be even. How about that? Ah, and he, yeah, they, they cool. did it. And then after that game the NCAA changed their ruling and allowed um, USC and UCLA to play with their home uniforms, which is like one of the best scenes in college football. I love that story. It's a great story. And the only thing more universally loved than Thanksgiving is this idea of both UCLA and USC wearing their colored jerseys because I've not heard one peep on Twitter anywhere else. One person complain about that. It's been universally praised. Yes. Uh, 20 through 16. Boise State, Iowa, Cincy, Memphis, Auburn. Mike. Interesting situation we might get to later in the show with Memphis playing Cincy this week. It means nothing for for Cincinnati. Uh, But I guess it does if they want to represent the group of five. Yes. um, In in the uh, New Year's Six. But in terms of the AAC, it doesn't mean much for Cincinnati. Memphis needs to win. And then if Memphis wins, they'll play again in the title game, which is very odd. 15 through 11, great group here. Notre Dame, Oregon, Wisconsin, Penn State, Baylor. So Oregon falls to 14 in the AP? Mm-hmm. Ah, that's very telling. Baylor up back up to 10. That is a good, solid group of teams that are just on the outside looking in. 10 through 6, Michigan, Minnesota, Florida, Oklahoma, Utah. Oklahoma benefited drastically by Oregon losing as well. Um, and or if you look at Oklahoma, they have two top 25 teams left when they're playing Oklahoma State, and then they'll play Baylor uh, also. So 
potential for the Sooners, if they look great, to do it to leapfrog Utah into that uh, fourth spot. Five through one, Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU. One of the most intriguing Iron Bowls I can remember in which neither team is going to the SEC title game. Right. Alabama needs to win and needs to win big, needs to look good on offense. We don't know how Mac Jones is going to play at quarterback. Auburn would love nothing more than to beat Alabama and end their hope, their playoff hopes. Gus Malzahn, of course, perpetually on the hot seat, needs the win. I'm very much looking forward to 3.30 on Saturday. Mike, one news item this week, and to me, going back to our earlier discussion about Maryland, I don't doubt that Maryland, to my mind, I think they want to have success in football. I think they really do. Mm -hmm. I think they... Um, their basketball program is built for success in the Big Ten. Um, Ranked number five in the country right now. The lacrosse the program, of course, is fantastic. Soccer's fantastic. They're investing in wrestling. They're, field hockey. They have an outstanding field hockey team as well. Right. Overall, their program is a really good program. I think they really want football to do well. This week, as we all know, Rutgers is going through a very difficult time here, Mike. And they got this this guy who's coaching them right now is a high school coach from two years ago. So it was a bizarro situation. They're terrible. They can't beat anybody. They're getting blown out like every single week. And of course, the Rutgers fan base, for what for, for what it is, <laughs> they, they were hanging them. their hopes on Greg Schiano, who was the only coach in our lifetime to have any measure of success at Rutgers, right? Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. I agree. They were in the Big East. I agree. Okay. But I, still, I he, want, that needs to be mentioned. He's the only one who won there. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. And he's, I think he's from there. He knows all the high school coaches in New Jersey, the rest of it. Um, this was the guy, the only guy in the minds of these people who could have that program turn around. Well, the school and Shiano get into negotiations over the past couple of weeks here, apparently. And Shiano wants the job, but he wants the job under certain conditions, understandably. Basically, he wants assurances from the school. They're going to invest in football. We need better facilities, more recruiting budget, all this kind of stuff. Better, more money for assistant coaches, right? Well, in the end, Rutgers would not commit to what he said he needed to compete at Rutgers. Now, if there's one person in the world who I think might understand what it's going to take to compete <laughs> at Rutgers, I think it's Greg Schiano. <laughs> yeah. Okay? And, and the school said no. So now if you're Rutgers, if you're a Rutgers fan, what confidence do you have going forward that your school will ever, ever not be the single worst program in the Big None. It's the new it's the new Kansas. I mean, no, it's the worst Kansas power is, five team. Kansas is miles better than Rutgers. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. But before, I mean, Kansas in the past, before Les got there in the past maybe four or five years was, I'd say, worse than Rutgers. But now with, you know, Miles has brought some credibility. Kansas has improved immensely. You got to say Rutgers is the worst power five team, right? They, unless they change this mindset... They don't belong in the conference. You, no. You could find uh, 12 teams that are currently group of five that belong in the Big Ten more than Rutgers. 
Maybe I think you're right. 20. Remember, remember when uh, Temple was kicked out of their conference? Yes. Uh, so there is a precedent of it. It could it could happen. I don't think you'd have to wait for Delaney to retire, which is happening any, uh, pretty soon. But it's it's an embarrassment, no doubt. By the way, Maryland beat them 34 to seven earlier this year. I said 41 seven, but you get the point. All right, Mike. So games of the week. Are you ready? I'm ready. So there's. I'll apologize in advance to anyone whose game I skipped this week. There was so many games to get in here. I was it's trying ridiculous. to keep it like you know trim, Mike, <laughs> because otherwise <laughs> like, it would just be like 400 games. So I'm trying to keep it to like the like biggest you, one. Like your figure, we can hear you drinking your Tito's and uh, soda there. By the way, yes. The so I'm gonna skip Maction. Maction's happening this week, so enjoy Maction. Um, we'll skip right away to again. So I'm I'm already picturing it in my head, Mike. It's Thanksgiving Day. The dinner has been had, right? Everyone's very happy. I may like go out and get myself a little bit of um, a really good scotch or a really good whiskey. Oh, right. Great idea. Sit down, pour it over ice, and watch the Egg Bowl, Mississippi at Mississippi State, seven thirty p.m. Thanksgiving Day. Are you excited, Mike? I'm super, super excited. I love the fact that this game is back on Thanksgiving Eve. You know, we used to have, what, Texas, Texas A&M? Yes. Um, which was a great Thanksgiving game as well. But this, uh, it's an it's a intense rivalry where this is a classic matchup, too, with, with a 4-7 and seven Ole Miss against a 5-6 and six Bulldog team that needs to win to become bowl, bowl eligible. Mississippi State, minus 2.5. I like the Bulldogs a lot in this game. But I, too, Tim, I will be returning to Baltimore from uh, Montgomery County. It's about an hour drive. It's one of my favorite parts of Thanksgiving is that I can leave whenever I want, <laughs> go back to my house, and I have a bizarre tradition where I drink white Russians, Caucasians, and I will be I'll be tuning into this game. I'm very excited for it. Will you have a uh, white Russian and also a side kind of like meal at that point, Mike? like a midnight snack yes Uh, we'll we'll see we'll see the problem is this year it's not at my parents house so i can't hog as many leftovers at a at a uh a non-relative from a non-relative's kitchen as i could for my mom uh friday number 17 iowa at nebraska 2 30 p.m on btn it's the legends game mike (laughs) i did uh, until about 45 minutes ago, I had no clue that this was called the Legends game. <laughs> uh, Nebraska, 5-6. and six, One more win. They're bowl eligible. They could easily beat Iowa in uh, Lincoln. It's uh, the, Iowa's favored by 5.5, but you know they're not going to blow anyone out. Should be a good game. And if they if Nebraska does win, Tim, that'll be 6-6. Six and six. They'll be going to a bowl that's more wins than they had last year. I'd consider that a successful season for Nebraska. So. You may not know this, Mike, but there is definitely a real sense of rivalry between Iowa and Nebraska. And, no, I did know that. Yeah, and it, it, it's a little bit football, but more about wrestling, as you might imagine, Mike. <laughs> oh, who, who wouldn't know about wrestling rivalries? <laughs> right, but th- they take it very, very seriously, which I kind of enjoy. Yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a quality Midwestern rivalry right there. Uh, number 19, Cincinnati at number 18, Memphis, 330 ABC. First of all, how great for these two programs, who are essentially the same program, to have such a big game on 330 window on ABC. It's fantastic. It's really interesting, as we kind of talked about earlier. Memphis, 11-point favorites. They need to win to secure their berth in the American title game. Cincinnati already has secured their berth in the American title game. But if they want to continue to have the inside track 
on earning that New Year's Six uh, bowl game uh, invitation. They'll have to win, and then they'll have to beat Memphis again the next week. Back-to-back games. It's a little quirk of uh, of this new conference championship game era that we're that we're in right now. Mike, so I think this is a game that both you and I would absolutely love to go to, but logistically, the Saturday after Thanksgiving could be problematic. Yes. Um, how about the Apple Cup? Washington State at oh, Washington, yeah. 4 p.m. Friday on Fox. That would be absolutely awesome. Washington, seven-point favorite. Did you see some of the stats from uh, Washington State from the Cougars' win over Oregon State on Saturday? They won 54-53. There were 1,200 combined yards of offense in that game. Oh, my God. Both of these teams are 6-5. and five. I will absolutely take Mike Leach and seven points all day long in this one. For Cousin Dave, West Virginia at TCU, 415 uh, ESPN. I love the 415 kick, by the way. Huh? Yeah, you don't see you don't see that in college football very often. No, and that game, too, complete toss-up. Oh, yeah. Uh, TCU, 12.5-point favorites. They're 5-6 and six playing a 4-7 and seven West Virginia team. Who knows what will happen there? Number two, Ohio State. And number 13, Michigan, noon on Fox. Um, I'm sorry, by the way, the, the Apple Cup and the WVU-TCU game on Friday, Mike, so I apologize yeah. for that. Uh, Saturday, number two, Ohio State. Number 13, Michigan, noon, Fox. I'll say again, I think Ohio State is just phenomenal. But the way Michigan's playing, I wouldn't be shocked if the game is close. No, absolutely not. Ohio State, nine-point favorites. I expect the game to be close. I'll go so far as to say I expect it to be close for a couple reasons. One, this is it for Michigan. They have absolutely nothing else to play for. Whereas Ohio State, now believe me, I understand the depths and the intensity of this rivalry, right? It's very important to everyone on both sides. But you cannot overlook the fact that in terms of the college football playoff for Ohio State, it's irrelevant. If they lose the game, they go in, they play, they win the Big Ten title game, they are in the playoff. It does not matter what happens against Michigan. Again, I hate to say that because there's nothing more sacred in college football than these rivalries, and I know that every player in that locker room in Ohio State wants to beat Michigan, but for Michigan, it is everything, right? They're not going to the Big Ten title game. They might be going to a bowl, but in this era, bowls don't really matter that much. Uh, if they win, they'd probably go to the Rose Bowl, which would be a nice, obviously, a nice consolation prize for them. But uh, still, will be a, will be a great game, and I I do expect it to be close. Number three, Clemson at South Carolina, noon ESPN. I don't expect uh, South Carolina to pull the upset over Clemson and George no. in the same year, Mike. God no, no. Uh, Clemson twenty-seven and a half point favorites, and. Uh, I'm expecting an absolute romp. Number four, Georgia at Georgia Tech, noon ABC. Uh, same thing here, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, this game, 28-point favorites Georgia on the road against a Tech team that showed, has shown a lot of life in the last couple games. And Georgia just doesn't blow anyone out. So in terms of the spread, I would maybe look toward uh, Tech and the, and the four touchdowns, but I'd be shocked if they lost. The bucket game, Mike. Indiana at Purdue, noon ESPN2. What are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are if Indiana wins this game and finishes the season 8-4, and four, as I said earlier, that's a spectacular season for Indiana. Yes. Really as, as good as you can hope for. Now, if they lose, if they lose to Purdue as they have the last two years, they'll, they'll be 7-5. and five. They'll still be going to a bowl, but the t- season will be left with a much different taste in our mouths as Hoosier fans. So 
it's an important game for Indiana and for the program in terms of growing the program, no doubt. Indiana, seven-point road favorites. That seems like a big number to me. Um, so the biggest win for you of this was the most consequential win of the season in Nebraska? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, number five, Alabama, and number 15, Auburn, 3.30 p.m. CBS. So I'm inclined to think here, because there's so much in the stake for Bama, that Bama will win and win going away. Hmm. But this, for Auburn, you know they take no greater pleasure than like ruining yes. Bama seasons. Yes. So I'd be nervous with taking Bama. Oh, right? absolutely. I mean, and Mac Jones, a young quarterback going against that Auburn defense, which say what you will about Auburn, their defense is legit. Uh, I think it's going to be a tight game. Bama's favored by three and a half. Wouldn't be surprised to see Auburn win it. I would love to see Auburn win it because I just don't want this controversy of the committee picking, you know, having being tempted by a one-loss Alabama team there sitting there at number five. Number 12, Wisconsin. Number 10, Minnesota, 330 ABC. To me, this is a fascinating game. Like, Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Obviously, the winner goes to the Big Ten title game. Game day in Minneapolis for the first time ever. I think we're down to now nine power fives now where uh, game day has not visited. There's a chance of snow in the forecast. How awesome would that be, Tim? Mm -hmm. Um, Minnesota, still no respect. They are underdogs at home. Two and a half points, Wisconsin favored. What two incredible 330 games on this week? Uh, Oregon State, number six, Oregon, 4 p.m. in the Pac-12 network. Here's another one where you, of course, you're, you're looking at this game based on talent and saying, like, well, Oregon's better, right? But they're coming off that crushing loss. Their dreams are basically over. Yep. Oregon State has gotten better every single week and would also take no greater pleasure than to beat <laughs> Oregon in this game. What's the line here, Mike? The line is 19, and I'll have a little more to say about this one later in the show. God damn it, Mike. This is two <laughs> weeks in a row now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. Uh, number nine, Oklahoma at number 21, Oklahoma State, 8 p.m. Fox. Now, Mike, there are many great things about you as a human being, <laughs> but nothing is better than you. You were one, the, the only person I know in my entire life who's been to this game. Bedlam. The, yes. My favorite thing about it is that there's no article before it. It's not the Bedlam game or anything. It's, it's just Bedlam. Bedlam. Yeah. yeah, and the one I went to was in Stillwater as well, and I believe that was two years ago. Last time it was in Stillwater, it was an incredible shootout. It was like a four-and-a-half-hour game. Baker Mayfield against um, who was that quarterback for uh, for Oklahoma State? Very good quarterback. He was he's in the pros now. Also, his name has escaped me. Great game. I loved everything about it. I love Stillwater. I love the, the how how important the game was to the state. I loved all the fans. I loved the stadium. T Boone Pickens Stadium. Uh, this game, uh, Oklahoma favored by twelve on the road. As we we already heard the staggering series statistics. Uh, I would love for Oklahoma State to keep it close and make it a game, but without their quarterback, I just don't see how they're going to do it. Mike, our picks last week were what? Tim, you uh, remain on fire. You got another win last week by picking Nebraska minus four over Maryland. It was a great pick, upping your record to nine and four. Spectacular run you're on. I also got a win. I took Tennessee over Missouri, plus four. The Vols won outright to up my record to eight and five. This is our best year, right? Yeah, we're both on fire. 
Interesting. All right, Bobby hit the bumper. Plays bets on college football. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. What do you mean you don't bet? I mean, I don't bet. You know, I don't gamble. I don't. Pushers. I never have, and I never will. Yeah, right. The Mike Unger 50-50 possible lot probable loser of the week. Please hang up and try again. Tim, for this week's lock of the week, the, our penultimate uh, week of the regular season, well, actually the final week of the regular season, second to last week of the football season in general, we are going, and it seems apropos that we're going to the great state of Oregon, where you and I were earlier this season. We'll be heading back to Austin Stadium, where the Oregon Ducks host their, in their interstate rival, Oregon State Beavers. It's a 19-point spread. Oregon State has been spectacular in the second half of the season with the lone exception of the game we saw when they were pounded by Utah. Other than that, they've been massively, massively improved. Um, they're 8-3 and three against the spread, and if you look at their results lately, they lost by 154-53 to Washington State. They beat Arizona State by one point. They lost a close game to Washington. They beat Arizona. They beat Cal. Uh, they beat UCLA, sandwiched around that bad loss to Utah. You have an Oregon team who's coming off an emotional loss. They're in the Pac-12 title game next week. This is almost a sandwich game. Granted, it is a big rivalry, but uh, you got to wonder what their mentality is going to be. The road team in this in this rivalry series, 10-2-1 against the spread. It seems to favor the road team. I'm taking Oregon State plus the 19 points. I love that pick because that was my pick, Mike, too. So, I know I'm sorry I'm sorry that I cut you off there buddy but yeah that's a that's too many points. So just my quick fire like trying to find a backup pick here. So at first <laughs> I was thinking Clemson to cover. That's that would be a good one. But they got worried. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of points but Yeah. So what's the line in the Indiana game like? Hoosiers are favored by 7. I will take Indiana to cover. Oh, that's uh, I'm not sure that's a wise pick. Purdue has p- been playing. The Purdue is a sporty team. I could see this being a field goal game, but I hope, obviously, I hope you're right. I'm all in on the Hoosiers, Mike. You better come through for us. I'm praying that we do, Timmy. All right, Mike. Any just real quickly, any broad, broad-based reflections on the season, and I'll give you my my bombshell revelation in a second. Go ahead. Okay, well, we had no uh, – obviously, LSU, no one I don't think predicted or no. saw coming their offensive explosion. But it was a season really without huge upsets. You, you know, South Carolina over Georgia would be the really the, the only – Standout, big, yeah. Yeah, that, that pops into my head. I mean, I guess you could put Arizona State last week over Oregon. But uh, we have some superpowers, and it's going to be fascinating to see that the, the, these teams meet in the playoff. And I don't think you'll see blowouts in the playoff like we like we have, especially in the semifinal round. I think we're going to have four worthy teams competing in the in the playoff, and so does that screeching child in the background. Right, like yeah, the kids are being crazy. So apologize, folks. Um, <laughs> this is my takeaway, Mike. So I think you and I have both been in the. Oh my God, they're being crazy. Um, <laughs> it's hard for me to say this, Mike. For years, I think you and I both agreed that, like, you know, we were very steadfast and we wanted the playoff to stay at four teams. Yes. I think because of the fact that I listened to too much um, serious college football radio, <laughs> the past four weeks, all it's been 
every single caller and every single host is like this mindless debate about who the top four are for the playoff. Yeah, once this once the playoff standings are released, the first one, it's nothing about argu- nothing but uh, arguing about that and and walking through these insane scenarios that what will happen if if these eight teams lose all the rest of their games and such. And now Zeke's barking too. This is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I'm at the point now, I'm worn down, I'm tired of it, and I'm like, you know what? I, I can no longer support there only being four teams because you you are literally just guessing at it. I think we can all agree that there's three obvious teams, Clemson, yes. LSU, Ohio State. You can't tell me that there is an obvious fourth pick at this point, and there will not be an obvious fourth pick after this week. There just won't be, no matter what happens. There won't be, right? So yep. I'm, at this point, I'm like, you know what? It needs to be eight. And I am now firmly in the camp of it going to eight, Mike. And I'm sorry, wow. that but is I'm, a, I'm, that I'm is landed stunner. there. Yes. Well, two things. I think you should wait until December the 8th to, to, to declare that they're not four obvious teams. There's still a lot of football to be played. And by the time this season ends, there could easily be four obvious teams. And uh, number two, if you expand to eight, just we're just continuing – Along this line of uh, de- of marginalizing the regular season, the regular season is what makes college football what it is, and it, I, you know, non-conference games are. I would be very very concerned with what would happen with non-conference games if all you needed to do was was uh, win your win your league to get win your league to get in the playoff. See, I'm not there. I would not say if you're a Power Five conference winner, you get in. I wouldn't go there. I'm, I've kind of landed at that at four, you are almost by default leaving a deserving team out. And while I understand at eight, an undeserving team would get in, I think it's better to let an undeser- undeserving team in than leave a deserving team out. There are only three deserving teams right now. Those are the three teams with zeros next to their name in the loss column. Uh, anyone else? You you could be quote unquote deserving, but you know if you were super deserving, you wouldn't have lost that game. <laughs> well, uh, you know I learned you say that, that argu- Mike. But I learned I that think argument it... from a very wise man a long time ago at a newspaper in Annapolis, Maryland. <laughs> that man is dead now. He's dead and gone. It was you, and, and I agree. But. Um... I think you just said earlier in the show, Mike, if Ohio State loses to Michigan, they're still deserving, right? Uh, yeah, well, they yeah, but if they if for some reason they did not get in, then they wouldn't be deserving. But see, we're already falling into this dumb argument. I'm, I'm annoyed that yeah. we're arguing about this point right now. Yeah, right? well, you brought it up. <laughs> Luckily, no one's listening anymore. Right. All right, Mike. So it's uh, nine thirteen on a Monday evening, the weekend of uh, the week of Thanksgiving. I wish I could fast forward to Wednesday evening when I'm here having a Tito's and soda and making my Thanksgiving dinner. It's my favorite night of the year, the night before uh, Thanksgiving. Wednesday oh. night, I will be at the Polish Home Club in Fells Point, Baltimore, Maryland, at a at an entire rendition, song for song, 40-plus songs, of The Last Waltz and a bunch oh. of local bunch of local musicians get together every year the Wednesday before Thanksgiving as a fundraiser to raise money for charity and they recreate play the entire last waltz from a starting at eight it goes till past midnight I love it 
for listeners who may not know Mike, and so I'm very passionate about the Last Waltz. I think it's like just like the greatest ever. Yes, it's <laughs> the greatest concert ever. It's yes. the greatest concert film ever. The band, the legendary band in 197, I always forget whether it's 76 or 77, uh, announced that they were breaking up. They were retiring, so they played one last show called The Last Waltz. Um, incredible guest music. They invited along incredible guest Neil Young, Van Morrison. Neil Young, Van Morrison, Eric Clapton, Joni Mitchell. Um, and the whole thing was caught on film by one Martin Scorsese. He immortalized the show, and it's really some of the best music that's ever been created, especially in a live situation. So I urge everyone to watch the movie. I'll be seeing the the Baltimore All-Stars recreation of it on Wednesday. It Makes No Difference from that album may be my favorite song ever, Mike. Yes, with the uh, the sax solo. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Everyone needs to go listen to it. Yes. All right, Tim, Ma- you, can, you can listen to it in your garage on Wednesday night. <laughs> Indeed. All right, Mike. It was great talking to you. It's uh, been a long show, but it was justifiably a long show. <laughs> well, yeah, it's before the biggest biggest uh, college football week of the year. Right. So to our listeners, thank you so much. We just love that you guys listen and um, the rest of it. To Eric Horn, our listener, who sent me a long email this week as an Auburn fan. Eric, I meant to read the email tonight because it was a great email. I'll read it next week's show. Um, and uh, to what our friends on our text, including Jack now, remember our, our, our text chain, Mike, is a, the fun text chain. I love yeah, that. Let's moment. hope Jack is not one of those animals yelling in the background there. <laughs> no, he's not. He's already in bed. Um, so, Mike, there's one thing to say. Pachas. Thank you for listening to the TCFN Podcast. For more college football news and wit, visit intelligentcollegefootball.com.